Hi and welcome to the Blab Podcast. I've got another great episode here for you. It is episode three of season two. I have the amazing Megan Jaworski here, who is a mother of two preschool boys and a lover of ethical chocolate and founder of Edge Foundation, which is pretty fantastic. She's a great inspiration to many. She does many beautiful things. She helps women break through the fear of being rejected to back themselves and be bold in business and life. So, you know, Megan believes that when we're living on purpose, we create positive change and make an impact. She helps um, she helps women to do this through her coaching with NLP, um, a practice um, through workshops, Um, you know in person as well she's a great um, public speaker I had the absolute pleasure of doing some public speaking on International Women's Day earlier this year back in March and um, yeah she just has a way of being able to articulate um, her message which is beautiful and I'm really sure you're going to really love today's episode with Megan as much as I did she has some beautiful messages in there and I'm sure you know what we've spoken about today will help many mothers out there within the world enjoy the podcast and have a great day Okay, um, first and foremost, uh, Megan, thank you so much for saying yes to being on the Blab podcast. It's such a treat to have you here today. Oh, thank you. It's so good to be here. Thanks for asking me. It's a real honour. My pleasure. So basically, um, um, the Blab podcast is all about body love after birthing babes. And I suppose we're wanting to um, know a little bit about your story. You're a mum of two little boys and... um, Tell us a little bit about um, your story in relation to um, body image after having babies and um, how it sort of impacted you after having children. Yeah, so before I had kids, I was really proud of, this is going to sound so strange, but I was really proud of my stomach, okay? And it was the one thing that I'd really worked hard on, I was really fit, and then when I had babies well my first baby I had chronic um oh, what's it called where your, where your stomach muscle separates um, oh, yes. I forget the type the medical stasis something mystasis is that right I'm not sure yeah anyway I'm sure people <laughs> listening will know what I'm talking about yes but I had a three and a half finger width and yeah. it completely changed the shape of my stomach as a result of that and um And so after I had children, I also put on 27 kilos through my first pregnancy, which is a lot. Like, like I felt really down. I felt really disgusting. Mm -hmm. And words that I was saying in my mind were, I would not say that to my worst enemy. I wouldn't actually think of saying it to anyone. Right. What sort of words were coming up for you? You're disgusting. Yeah. You've got to make your marriage last because no man would ever want you. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just so, um, you know, how could you let yourself look like this? Um, you know, just, just I, was, I was really self-conscious and I was so hard on myself. And I didn't realise how much my, my image before I had children was such a big part of my identity and who I was until after I had children. Yes. And then after my second born, 
I had them very close together, 19 months apart. Mm. Um, after my second born, it was about four months, five months postpartum, like after giving birth to him. Mm. And I was in the shower and I was just having one of those really blah, you know, days where you just feel yuck about yourself. Yes. And you need that extra, like you feel like you need extra validation from your husband that you're not as yuck as you think you are. Yes. And so I was in the shower and I was putting my body down, fishing for compliments, right? As we can sometimes do. Yes. And he was in the bathroom and he didn't say anything. He did not compliment me. He wasn't taking mm. my bait. Yeah. And I was just, and I got angry at him. Mm. And I said, are you not saying anything good to me because you think I'm this and that? And he said, stop, stop. Like he was really firm. And yeah. he was vegan. It doesn't matter what I say to you. You won't believe it unless you start loving yourself more. I oh my God. <laughs> I know, right? He goes, I can tell you time and time again how beautiful you are, how we don't see what you see. Mm. But until you start to love yourself, there's no point in me complimenting you because it's, it's not going to work. It's like duck off a of water's back. What it's a beautiful husband. I know, but at the time I wanted to slap him in the face. Oh, like, did you? Damn it, because you're so rough. Because I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> it was beautiful. It really yeah. was. And that was a wake up call I needed. Which yeah. was I was gobsmacked. I couldn't say anything because what can you say mm, to that? But yeah. yeah. He's right. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it, he's right. He didn't take my bait. Now yeah. I have to do the work. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that that was a turning point for me. Yeah. It opened an opportunity for you. Exactly. Yeah. This has got nothing to do with what anyone else sees, what anyone mm. else thinks about me. It's got everything to do with how I see myself. Yeah. And if I don't, and I realized in that moment that if I didn't change the narrative, like the story I was telling myself about what beauty was, what, mm. what, um, what, my identity as a woman is now that I was a mother. If I didn't change that dialogue in my head, mm. it was going to destroy my marriage. It was going to destroy my relationship with my children. It was going to destroy me getting back into my business and building it up. It was going to destroy me. Yes. And because the relationship we have with ourselves is the most important relationship we could ever have. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Having Definitely. babies really yeah, it, it real and it's still I'm still a work in progress. I'm I can't proclaim that I'm a hundred percent body love uh, mm. after like there's still moments yes. where I will those old thought patterns will come back in. I'll be triggered. Absolutely, there'll be triggers. Absolutely, and yes. it's just it's it's um just kind of working through those. Um, but each time you get triggered, it's a different level as well. Yes. And you so move through it much yes, quicker. Yes. Because you recognize the old patterns and you say, ah, oh, that's these old thoughts again. That's and right. I don't believe the thoughts. That's I'll right. I let it go. I'm beautiful because I'm me. That's exactly right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about... Um, you know, you used to work with mothers um, to help them reclaim their um, identity and help them to fall in love with themselves as well. So can you tell us a little bit about how motherhood changes our identity and how we're able to um, relate that to ourselves, I suppose, you know, into yeah. body, body image? Yeah, exactly. So motherhood completely changes our identity. And the thing is, is that I've noticed as a, a coach and I've worked with many, many mothers is that after we become a mum, 
we're trying to search for who we are. We mm. try it because things change. They change physiologically, chemically, emotionally, physically, everything about us is different. Yeah. And so often our identity is I am a mum now. Whereas men, they still go to work. They still have, it's very different for them. Yes. Their body isn't changed unless they they have eating, like they just eat with you and then they their body changes. But yeah. it's not a physiological thing like us. And so often when we are trying to search for who we are after the newborn phase is over and, you know, we're starting to get out of that, that deep fog mm. and we're starting to think, well, who am I now? Yes. One of the mistakes we make is we try to become who we were before we had a child. That's right. And that, that woman's gone. Yes. And it's actually a grieving process we can go through mm-hmm. it, that some women go through, particularly if they really love their life before they had children or they had a great career or a business. And they're just like, I don't know how that fits now. Yes. And so with our identity, it's really important to look at who am I now? What lights me up now? What do I care about now? Who do I want to be? And what characteristics do I want to work on and develop Mm. in my life to be that woman? Yes. And And still being able to do that around being a mother and maybe a wife or, you know, a partner or whatever it is, family life. Yeah. Being able to manage it all. Exactly. Because... Mm. You are yourself first and foremost before we add any of those other titles, mother, wife, daughter, whatever it may be. And so, you know, it's really important to say, well, who do I choose to be now? And in some ways, having children can be like a clean slate and it's just changing the way you see it instead of thinking, oh my God, I've lost my whole life or my body's different and grieving. Yes, go through a process of that. But part of the process of that is saying, wow, who do I want to be now? Like, like when I do decide to go back to work or when I do decide to, you know, what kind of hobbies, what lights me up? What am I passionate about? Because, Mm. you know, you might be passionate about different um, social justice topics now, or, or you might be passionate about different creative outlets. Yeah. So I I personally, for me, when I had my second child, I, um, he was probably three weeks old and I was nearly 30 when he was born and I don't know, there was like a chemical thing going on up in my brain and I just didn't know who I was or where I wanted to be. And I know I just had a newborn and all that sort of thing. But the thought of going back to work, because um, I used to um, be a receptionist at a law firm and going back to work there and all that sort of thing um, just didn't interest me at all. And then I watched um, this TV show um and that inspired me to go and do my beauty therapy course. So then he was four weeks old when I took up a receptionist job to get my foot in the door, working one day a week at this beauty wow. salon, at a, at a beauty salon doing the reception job there. And then, you know, he was four months old when I went off and was studying college and working two jobs. And it was just, it was absolutely crazy. And I, I actually hold a lot of guilt from that because I feel like I took our time away as well. But in saying that, it was that, that was the time for me to be able to grow as well. It was an opportunity for me to grow, yeah. um, which I is, think, yeah, brought me into a lot of this 
space around you know body love and self-love and all that sort of thing yeah yeah I think it's that's you've, you've touched on something so important is that guilt guilt's not necessarily a bad thing it's when it leads to shame mm. and the problem is is that when we become a mom there's there's this African saying that I love and they say that African women look to their babies to learn what to do whereas western women read books about their babies to learn what to do yes and i feel like there is so much of us that look at what other people are doing as to who we should be as a mom mm. who, how we should love ourselves whether we should go back to work you know is what's the appropriate time frame and when this is why it's so important that we tune in and we say you know what if i'm not coping right now being full-time at home with my child and there's options for me to go back to work, then do that. If I'm loving being a full-time mom and I'm not ready to go back to work and financially you don't have to, you can arrange things, then stay home. There's, there's so many, there's no right or wrong way because right. one thing I've come to realize is that a happy mom and a self-fulfilled mother is the best mother you could be. Yeah. And that's going to look different for everyone. And for me, I, I had in my mind that a good mum was at home, like, like a good mum for me was at home with my children until they were two years old. Yeah. And it nearly destroyed me. I got postnatal um, anxiety, postnatal depletion, bordering mm. postnatal depression. Yes. Whereas I believe now in hindsight, if I had gone back to work a bit earlier, mm. I think I would have coped a lot better. Yeah, um, just touching on the postnatal depression and postnatal depletion, it's something, especially postnatal, like postnatal depression is a, a big thing around motherhood, but also postnatal depletion is as well. And there's a book out um, called The Postnatal Depletion Cure, I think it is. Have you heard of that book? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it's quite... Um, I listened to it on audible and just listening. I'm like, yes. And yes. And <laughs> it's um, different to depression. Cause I, yeah. I'm not depressed, but cause I had a, my number two, my baby number two, he was, he woke up every hour and a half and he would be awake for up to three hours at a time. And he had chronic reflux mm. for the first eight, nine months of his life. We took him to doctors, pediatricians, specialists. Um, we did natural medicine, homeopathy. We did everything and nothing helped. Mm. I remember the moment and, and people are saying, are you depressed? Are you depressed? And I'm like, I don't, it's not depression. It's weird. It's something else, yeah. but I didn't know the depletion and the signs yes. of that. And I was so exhausted. I remember my breakdown moment and I was sitting on the kitchen floor behind like the kitchen cupboards. My two-year-old was, um, was playing in the lounge room and my baby, he was nine months old at the time mm. and he was screaming in his cot and he would scream for hours on end and we would shake him. We would rock him. I, there was, I, I was at my wits end and I was yeah. getting about three to four hours sleep a night of broken yeah. sleep and my husband yeah. was working full time and my mum was dead and my father lived overseas. So I really had no support with two kids under two. Yeah. And so I was lying on the kitchen floor having a panic attack because I had postnatal anxiety. It was my first panic attack ever. I didn't know what was going on. And I was just going <gasps> rocking. Yeah. Back. Yeah. My two-year-old comes walking around the kitchen bench. He looks at me and he's like just watching while the baby and it was 
it was the, the worst moment of my life. And I called my sister. I could barely even talk to her. Mm. And I just said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And she's really had, um, she really struggled with postnatal depression. Yeah. Her babies, but they were older. And she said to me, she goes, yes, you can. I go, I don't know how. And she said, you just will one moment at a time. Yeah. And I hung up from her and I, I just said to myself, what's the next right step? And I got up off the floor. And that was for me when I called sleep school, um, a gentle sleep school, because I had to align with my philosophies. And yes. I got help, psychological help as well. Yeah. But when I went to the sleep school, they confirmed that he was one of the worst babies they'd ever encountered. Wow. And I went to see the psychologist and she said, you're not depressed, you're depleted. Mm. Because like there was a moment where I couldn't cope any longer. And I remember I nearly smothered him with a doona just to get him to stop. And my husband's like, what are you doing? And I'd been awake for two hours. It was like two in the morning. And and I didn't even know what I was doing. I was that exhausted. And another time I was in the car and I was just like, I can't keep going like this. I want to drive off this cliff. Yeah. And, and it wasn't that I was sad or depressed because I was quite okay in that way. It was that I couldn't keep going with the level of exhaustion I was Yes. Yeah. Um, so how did you move past that? What was the solution for you to be able to move past that? A holistic approach. Yeah. Um, I saw a coach and got help. Yeah. I reached out and asked for more support from friends mm. and um, and told people the extent of what I was going through. Because that's massive, having those trains of thoughts. Yeah. Those, I want to drive off a cliff because yeah. I did not think I could go on any longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah booked in the sleep school. Um, I changed my diet as well to, um, and, and, um, I started exercising. I joined a gym, yeah. um, even though I was so exhausted, just getting yeah. out of the house. Cause I wasn't working at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd been a full-time stay at home mum for a few years now. Yeah. Um, and, and even also, like bringing movement into, even if you're exhausted, even just going out for a walk, it gets those yes. endorphins, that, that positive yeah. hormone running through your body. Exactly. My yeah. husband actually ended up working 0.75 over time. So yeah. he spoke to his work. So he was at home, he was home by four o'clock every afternoon. Yeah. Um, so he worked less hours, mm. which meant financially our burden, but he recognized that we had a really challenging child and I was doing my best. And this is where in Western society, we don't have that village. And I would have been so much better off if I'd had some kind of community support, um, yeah. you know, and so it's really hard to, to be a mom um, without that. So I just started to create it a bit more, but I think it was the decision that, that, I needed support and I couldn't live in shame. I felt so ashamed because I was a coach before I became a mom. Yes. And I was an NLP practitioner and I thought, I shouldn't be struggling with this. I, Mm. you know, I'm the coach. I know all of this stuff. And so the shame that I felt Mm. kept me in silence. Yeah. And when I started to speak about it publicly on social media and speak about it to people um, as I was getting help, I realized there were so many other women suffering in their shame mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And, and that we have to change the discourse that we yeah. have about motherhood. 
Yeah. So this is your journey as a coach to experience that to help others as well. Yeah. Well, now yeah. I work mainly with women in, mm. in business. Yeah. But um, on their mindset, but it's still a part of it because it came down to my mind and changing yes. the language that I'm not a bad mom. I'm just struggling. That's and to, right. And to remove that shame language because I I used to say things like. I'm a shit mom. You know, mm. what kind of person does this? I can't cope. Why are other people coping? Other people didn't have a baby like I had. No, <laughs> yeah. Other people had their moms to support them. And, yeah. you know, we can't compare yeah. our journey to somebody else's because your feelings are valid in and of themselves. That's right. So once I started to remove that language around shame and step into into um my own power and started to love myself more um it, it all starts with your relationship with yourself absolutely it certainly does so why do you think it's hard for mothers to embrace their body after having children oh there's so many reasons i think part of it is one society um all those images of you know people coming out, look at her body four weeks after having a baby and she looks like she never had a baby. And the yes. biggest compliment a woman can receive in our society after she has children is to say, you don't look like you've had a baby. And it's terrible. Mm. Um, yeah. That shouldn't be the biggest compliment. No, that's right. That's because, exactly right. Because our bodies are beautiful because we've given birth. And if we haven't given birth, they're beautiful. They're beautiful because they're they're. Um, vessel they're they're ours and and so i think another reason why um it is so hard is there's a lot of um comparison too just mm. there's a lot of shame around having stretch marks and cellulite yes. and yeah. um extra weight and yeah. um and that comes from a in an industry of um media yeah. you know as well we make a lot of money on women hating they, ourselves <laughs> exactly and you know using platforms like photoshop to smooth out uneven yeah. lines or to even out a curve or you know things like that and growing up um for me as a teenager and i'm sure maybe you might have read dolly and you mm -hmm. know girlfriend those sort of magazines and having those sort of aspirations as a teenager to aspire to a body to fit into a certain box um, yeah. certainly sets the tone of how you're going to um, shame yourself, I suppose, Absolutely. for not doing the right things. Because yes. women are meant to be small, mm. um, compliant, a martyr when they're quiet, martyr, quiet, <laughs> we're meant yeah. to be submissive. Um, but, mm. but being small, being pretty being like think of compliments that little girls get and think mm. of their clothes like it starts from the time we're a toddler you know where we're raised in an environment where we we have to you know oh look at her pretty dress instead of yes well, I've got two boys and people don't say oh look at his cute outfit mm. you know they're like look how good he can climb a tree or look how yeah it's and different so isn't it Mm. It's really different. And even like the slogans on T-shirts for girls are compared to um, for boys and, and, you know, little toddler girl shorts are, are shorter and more tight yes. than toddler boy shorts. Yet yeah. they do the same things. It doesn't make sense. So we're sexualized from such a young age yes. to believe that our worth is tied into to the way we look. 
That's right. Um, and we're not worthy unless men perceive us to be. Mm. And, and, and then women can sometimes be our worst enemies because we can compete in school, right. in high school, in, you know, we're raised to, to turn against each other instead yeah. of um, really build each other up. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that we sort of, um, you know, we have these idealistic things of, you know, of what our body image should be, but I can guarantee, and I've said this before, I can guarantee when you close your eyes and you think of your idealistic body, it's not your body you're thinking about. It's an image you've seen somewhere else. And the transformative path to go on is to change that image into your own, into your own body and being oh, able to see what you actually are as a person um you know today not tomorrow not yesterday you just being able to embrace how you look at yourself in the mirror today and when you close your eyes and you see yourself that's when you know you've had that transformative um process into being able to love your body you may not like you said before you may not love your body all the time and that's totally fine because people we get triggered all the time different things come up like we've spoken about things from the past and you know um transforming from matron to mother and all that sort of thing it, it all triggers us um but yeah i've lost where i was going with that <laughs> No, but, I, oh, but yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I know exactly um, what what you're saying, and it's mm. and that's so beautiful because we are only in our bodies. Like this is the only vessel. This is the only body I have. That's right. Time, you know, mm. and I can choose to be at war for the rest of my life. But what kind yeah. of life am I going to have? Mm. Or I can choose to make peace within, and guarantee there's going to be greater peace without. That's and right. And it's really interesting because after I had children, I felt so disconnected to my intuition, mm. to my gut, right? And that was the one thing that I was most at war at physically in the way it looked. And so I believe that there was a connection to me not liking how it looked and me not trusting my instincts and my gut yes. because yeah. it's all it's all connected. And so if you're at war with a particular part of your body, it is going to impact how you show up, how you love yourself, how you love yes. others, um, how you use your message in this world. Absolutely. Everything. So we have a yeah. choice. Are you going to yeah. remain at war with yourself? Yeah. And then at war with the world or at peace with yourself and then bring peace to the world? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I do understand what you're saying. That's beautiful. If you close your eyes and, and your body is the one you see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I, think, I think where I was sort of going with that was, you know, when you come to the other side of becoming a mother, um, letting go of those idealistic um, images that you have and being able to see yourself as a mother will certainly help that transformation from, you know, your past life, your matron life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just embracing, um, as I said, it always comes back to how we see yourself. Who mm. am I? The words yeah. we say I am and the words we say after I am are the most powerful mm. words we can say about ourselves. And so if you, if you are really hard on your body and you're really hard on who you are as a mother, Mm. then then that's going to come out in in all areas of your life and so the best way to start loving yourself is to say well if i already loved my body for the way it is then how would i speak to it 
Yes. You know, yeah. What thoughts would I think? Yeah. And even write that down. If I loved my body, what thoughts would I think? And mm. then that becomes where your your go to whenever you are triggered, whenever your mind goes goes down that unhealthy path, like I'm disgusting, I'm fat, no one could love this, you know, whatever those words are that you have. Yeah. That's not the truth. The truth is my body is beautiful just as it is. Absolutely. I I want to be healthy. The truth is, and you know, whatever it is for you and keep going back to that. And that's how you rewire your brain. It's through repetition. Mm, Absolutely. You've just got to create a habit of whenever you feel yourself triggered, go back to, if I loved myself, what would I say right now? Mm, Yeah. I love that. That's really special. Um, okay, so what, what would your number one tip be for our listeners listening today who might um, have a few body image issues going on? Or what would your number one message be? Yeah. Oh, um, number, oh, wow. Okay, there's so much. It could be a couple. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, think, I think my number one message would be, to reach out and get help yeah if you're struggling mm-hmm. with yourself mm. struggling with motherhood yeah if if you're not as happy as you want to be um and if those thoughts are if you have more harmful thoughts than than positive empowering thoughts mm. my number one tip is to get help mm. um to speak to, to speak it out loud. Yeah. You're not alone. Um, there is, there is so many women out there who are depleted right now during isolation, who are exhausted, mm. who, who are losing their temper, who are, are feeling over motherhood right yeah. now, because it is tough what we're going through, especially Absolutely. stage yes. four. And there is no shame. Like there is only you need to be bold and be brave. Mm-hmm. And the most courageous thing you could possibly do is say, I'm not coping. Yeah. That is the most courageous thing any woman can ever do is to say, I need help. I need my sisterhood. I need yep. to see. You can go to a GP and get a, a, a mental health care plan and see a psychologist for, for like $30 through Medicare. Yeah. The coach, if you want slightly different support mm. coaches provide slightly different things mm. read books whatever is listen to podcasts like this one yes. um whatever surround yourself with things that make you feel good stop scrolling so much don't mm. compare other people's highlight reel to mm. your everyday life because i can That's tell right. you now instagram is not a true indication of anyone's life. No, people only show you the positive things, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> Who wants to put a photo on Instagram of them screaming at their kids or, or do a little video of them losing the plot? Yeah. And the other advice that I would give is recognize when you're at your limit. So, mm. yesterday, I recognized I was at mine. I knew that if I didn't get 20 minutes alone where I could go for a walk without the kids Mm. that I was going to lose it at them that afternoon. Yeah. My number one value right now is to create a very peaceful and loving environment at home because we're all at home. That's right. That means being uber (laughs) self-aware 
and recognizing, oh, I'm feeling very irritable. I'm run yes. down. Yeah. And haven't had a break in three days from the kids and I'm running my business. So I said to my husband, right, on your lunch break, you're having the kids, I'm going for a walk. And he's like, sure. Yeah. And that was it. That's all I needed. Perfect. So so recognize when you're in the red zone, when you mm. when you're ready to just lose it and and just say, okay what can I give myself right now? Mm. Maybe it's put on the TV for the kids, go into your bedroom and do a five minute meditation. Yeah. Maybe it's put on your favorite music that makes you feel good and, yeah. you know, jump around to Beyonce or something. Just, yeah. So my other advice is just recognize. Change the direction of what's sort of happening at that moment. State. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. So, so shift your energy, mm. um, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, and in regards to loving your body, my number one tip is what I, what I've already touched on before. Um, be really aware of the dialogue in your mind and mm. change it to, if I already love myself, what would I say? Yes. And look in the mirror. This is what I get my clients to do who struggle with this. Look in the mirror for only 10 seconds a day and say, I love you. <laughs> 10 seconds feels like a really long time when you're doing this. It does, especially if you're telling yourself, I love you. <laughs> you can get about 10 I love you's in, in 10 seconds. Sure can. <laughs> so I want so if you are really struggling with loving yourself, start small. And mm. this is simple but so powerful. Mm. And actually looking into your eyes. Looking when you're into looking, your yeah. eyes and just saying, I love you. Yeah. I love and, you. and it might feel silly or like yes, a really weird silly. idea. <laughs> But you're the only one there, really. Exactly. <laughs> and you can yeah. do it first thing in the morning after your shower. I mean, it's nice if you can do it in the bathroom mirror while you're naked. Yeah. Um, because that will have a different element to it altogether. Absolutely. It might trigger a lot in you. You might cry. Yeah. It might also make you feel powerful. Mm. It will bring out different things depending on the day. But if you yeah. do that for 30 days, I can tell you now that at the end of that month, you will have a more beautiful relationship with yourself just by doing yeah. that one thing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And one last question, yeah. um, which I ask all my um, guests is what book or movie would you recommend for our listeners to have a listen to or a read of or something yeah. that you've enjoyed? Yeah. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. <laughs> oh, I've been looking at that book. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. If you, I, I would recommend this for any single person, human being on the planet, but yeah. particularly for mothers. She talks a lot about motherhood. She talks yeah. about body image. She talks about marriage, relationships, but she's a storyteller. So okay. it's very different to any other book that you will ever read because it's short stories that aren't connected. Each chapter is a short story that's not connected to the next. Which wow. means if you're an exhausted mother and you only have five minutes. You can, you can open any page. Any chapter pretty much. Yeah. But she has made the first half right. of the book is all about conditioning for women and how right. we're taught to not love ourselves. So it's like yeah. short stories about what what broke her essentially and then the yeah. second half of the book is all short stories about her redemption about her her becoming untamed essentially yeah, yeah. fantastic um, i'm buying it <laughs> oh, oh sorry you yeah it is seriously i was sobbing at the end when Were i you? Oh. i was yeah. hugging the book going she spoke right to me <laughs> oh that's so beautiful i love so, that 
So if there's one book you read during isolation, ladies, in, with all the time we have as mothers, right? Yeah. It's on audio. It's on Audible. You can get yeah. it. Um, it's Glennon Doyle, Untamed. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Do you know what I do when I'm doing the dishes? Because um, our dishwasher's broken at the moment and can't get anyone to come <laughs> look at it right now. Um, but I have my little radio right next to, like, you know, where the do the dishes and I chuck um, an audible on Bluetooth. And so I'm listening to, yeah. to the books that I'm wanting to listen to while I'm doing the dishes. Multitasking at its finest. Yes, I do that too while I'm cooking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, or if you don't end up buying her book, if you just mm. want to listen to an interview with her on mm. the book, which is really powerful, uh, Brene Brown's podcast. Okay. Brene Brown's podcast. Yeah. And check out the episode of her interview with Glennon Doyle. Amazing. Then, then she talks a lot about uh, what we've touched on today, actually. Okay, perfect. So, so even if you, you can't buy the book. Well, or, I'll look it up and I'll link it into this podcast. So then anyone yeah. else that wants to listen to it, I'll, it, it'll be yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those that, that you can listen to a few times and get something Okay. Out. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining us on the Blab Podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been so wonderful to have this important conversation with you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. You have been listening to the Blab Podcast. Please head to samaramanis.com. Follow the Facebook page, Body Love After Birthing Babes, and follow us on Instagram as well, which is also at Body Love After Birthing Babes. Have a wonderful day and keep on smiling.